Hi, everybody, in Digital Millinery Podcast and the Videocast, where I teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Here's the co-host, Tricky Shetty. Thank you, thank you, thank you to our lovely co-host, Rianne. She absolutely loves podcasting and interviewing our guests and meeting people from around the world. And uh, we're actually uh, traveling currently through Central America, uh, from Mexico overland into uh, well, uh, Belize and Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras. And now we're actually in San Juan del Sur in uh, southern Nicaragua. Absolutely loving it. And uh, since we're here on the beach, I might as well show you the beautiful view. Uh, for all of you who haven't been to Nicaragua, I'm a big advocate of travel here to Nicaragua, so you got to check out this beautiful beach. Uh, it's kind of like a bay uh, with a gorgeous beach, a gorgeous ocean, and uh, of course you got these amazing sunsets every night. Uh, we, we either come out here on this patio or we go down to the beach to enjoy the sunsets. And even yesterday we actually climbed up that hill over there, uh, all the way from the beach, took us uh, over an hour plus, and we climbed up to the top. So, uh, And uh, we actually documented our entire trip through pictures, videos, and blog posts at uh, daddyblogger.com. Uh, .com. So make sure you check it out and uh, uh, follow us along on our adventure here in South America and now Central America. And as we're traveling, we actually love interviewing fellow digital nomads, and we actually have one on the show today. And our guest today is uh, from British Columbia as well, from a city called Victoria, which is very near for, from where we are in Vancouver. And she's actually in uh, Merida, Mexico. And do you remember we were in Merida yeah, around Christmas time? Christmas. Yeah. yeah, beautiful city. And our guest is a digital nomad traveling with her wife and pets. And uh, she works online as a virtual assistant. And we're going to be finding out all about uh, you know the logistics of traveling with pets. I think that's a very interesting issue. And we've never actually covered that uh, topic in over 350 episodes. We've never covered travel with pets yet until now. So you'll be waiting and you're in for a treat. Uh, so yesterday, Dee is in Merida. How are you doing there in beautiful Merida, Mexico today, Dee? Oh, good morning. Um, doing great here in Merida. It's uh, a hot day. I think we're going to hit 34, 35 today again. Probably pretty similar to what you're getting there in Nicaragua. And uh, yeah, happy to be here. Here, it's a little bit lower. It's like 25, 26 in this kind of the ocean side. It can get a little bit higher in other parts of Nicaragua. but. Uh, we're finding it's actually good. It's not too hot, not too cold. It's just right, just like the Goldilocks and the Three Bears story. But it's a little <laughs> hot um, in the daytime, so we'll usually just get work stuff done, and then around the you know like the late afternoon, uh, especially sunset, we'll go enjoy the beach. And uh, it doesn't get too hot at uh, night as well, because typically in Nicaragua you gotta have air conditioning, hotels, uh, or the hostels, or Airbnbs. Here we can um, pretty much uh, get by without air conditioning. So. That's one That's of the, nice. the, the, hey, we're from Canada, and we can't complain about the heat because we don't get much of it uh, in winter, uh, so I'm super grateful to be walking around with t-shirts and shorts here uh, in, yeah, yes. and shorts here in uh, mid-February. So Dee, uh, why don't we get to know you a little bit better if you want to do an introduction and share a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Um, well, I, uh, I've been a nomad now for about 16 months. And as you said, I'm traveling with my wife and my two little Chihuahua mixed dogs, Diego and Nico. 
And um, we did that crazy thing where we sold everything and quit our jobs and went out and to travel the world. And we thought it would be a year or two of our lives that we would do this, um, you know, on savings. And, and then we would go back to normal life in Canada. And a year and a half in, there is just no way I want to give this lifestyle up. It's just so amazing. And we've been to so many wonderful places. Um, we travel pretty slowly, which I really enjoy. You know, I'm I'm 44, and my way of nomading right now is different than it probably would have been in my 30s or 20s when I didn't go out there and do it. Um, but better late than never, and it's it's been a wonderful experience to live in places for a few months and really become part of the culture and part of a neighborhood and really get to know a little something about the places we've been. Awesome, awesome. Uh, definitely looking forward to unpacking the journey. And uh, you say it's a crazy thing to do, but uh, it's become very common and very normal, especially because I've been interviewing all these people and I hear it over and over that people are selling this stuff and traveling. But uh, in terms of the big uh, grand scope of things, I guess it's not very common. Uh, but uh, but that definitely on our show, that's what we love to cover. People who have, uh, you know, they've done radical things and live, they're living unconventional uh, lives. And uh, I hear this as well that. Uh, a lot of people do it for a year as a trial, but then you absolutely love it and you can never fully go back to normal life. Uh, so definitely, uh, I can relate. I can totally relate to your sentiments there. That's something we did as well. We've sold most of the stuff, with the exception of about five boxes, like wedding album, of course, the kids' mementos, and they're all at my mom's uh, place, uh, safe and sound, if we, if and when we ever go back. So the, uh, uh, about the journey. So uh, you sold your stuff, uh, and then uh, where have you been in your nomadic journey so far? Uh, we started in Southeast Asia and we spent uh, three months in Chiang Mai in the north and uh, then we went to Vietnam and spent three months in Hoi An in central Vietnam and uh, then we made a quick stop back at home so that we could arrange study visas for Spain and we spent four months studying Spanish in Valencia. I saw a lot of Spain, a little bit of France and then we went to Portugal for two months up in northern Portugal and we flew directly from Madrid into Cancun and we've been in Mexico since November. Amazing, amazing. Uh, you know, you've covered a lot of ground in Southeast Asia and now uh, and in Europe and now uh, Central America and uh, you know it's a good way to travel in terms of the slow travel. Uh, we're, doing, we're doing it a little bit faster and it definitely gets uh, very tiring and uh, you, we definitely need uh, breaks. Uh, so. Every now and then we'll take, uh, you know, one month breaks, like we were in managing Columbia, okay, boom, took a one month break in, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, Buenos Aires and Argentina, a few weeks break, here in San Juan, another couple weeks break, so uh, we don't usually stay like three or four months, but usually we'll stay about a month per country, and if we really like it, we'll stay a couple months, so uh, we're kind of like, uh, I would say we're probably more leaning in the fast end of things. You have a question for guests, yeah. Yes, what question do you have? What's your favorite country? Sorry? What which country? What's your favorite country? Oh geez, that's a hard question, I think. You know, I've been really lucky and maybe also a little bit of created fortune because every place we've gone, we've really loved. I mean, really, really loved. I would go back tomorrow. I would spend a year or two in all of the cities we spent a couple months in. Um, 
How I would pick one of them, I, I don't know. I love Spain. I know I will always go back to Spain. I love Thailand and Vietnam as well, and I know I will always go back to those countries as well. And the reason I'm in Mexico right now is because it's always been a place I've enjoyed on holidays. And now I'm finding that life here in the Yucatan is pretty, pretty easy to adapt to, pretty wonderful. So uh, yeah, I think the funny thing is, you know, family asked me, is your bucket list getting shorter now that you've been fulfilling these dreams? And it's just getting bigger and longer. And so is my list of favorite countries. It's funny you mentioned that. Yeah, definitely we can relate to that sentiment. Uh, we cross off stuff on our bucket list. Like, okay, we did Machu Picchu, the Bolivian Salt Flats, Chichen Itza, like Atilan, and boom, 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 boom. But then we're like, oh man, we still have to go to this place and this place and this place. So uh, it definitely keeps adding up. And especially talking to all these guests, we're like, okay, uh, that person's been there. We got to go there. We haven't been there yet. And, you know, uh, there's so much of the world to see and so little time in such a, such a short life. So you definitely have to make the most of it and uh, travel while you can. Uh, exactly. So uh, tell us about the work side of things uh, because uh, you mentioned uh, you sold all this stuff, so obviously that helped finance it, but also you're working online. So walk us through the whole dynamics of working online while traveling as well. Well, initially I thought I would just travel and, and not work online, but when I um, went to hand in my resignation at my job, they said, you know, um, is there any chance you'd consider working remotely? And at the time, I, you know, it seemed like a good idea for me, but I did it more or less because I wanted to help the company transition. Um, and then while I was out there working and traveling, it just, you know, that's a pretty great situation. I, and that company has since, part of it's been sold and part of it has shut down. So I'm not with them anymore. And I just thought, you know, I think I could do this now on my own for other companies and for other businesses and other business people. So I decided to, to go out on my own as a VA and um, I'm just kind of in the process of actually refocusing my business because I, I continued on, I've worked in tech for years and I continued on thinking I would be that kind of VA. But uh, I'm so excited about this life of remote work and, and being able to travel when you wanna travel and even if you're home, sitting in your bunny slippers and working from your house. I just think it's such an exciting way to travel and an exciting way to live that I'm, I'm really hoping to focus my business more on helping other people do what I'm doing, do what you're doing with all that that comes with, whether you have children or dogs, you know, because I'm sure as a father yourself, you, you get the question all the time, wow, you're traveling with three kids. That's amazing. I can't believe you can do that. That must be hard. And we get asked that about our dogs all the time. But you can do it if you want to do it. It may change the way you travel. It may change where you want to go travel, but it's possible. And anyone who wants to do it can do it. And you can do it while you're working. Yeah, that's definitely the beauty of this uh, day and age that you can work anywhere in the world and you can uh, carry around your loved ones, whether that's a spouse, whether that's kids, whether that's pets. And, uh, you know, of course, there are logistical comp complexities with these uh, issues, uh, but we can get into that. So in terms of your VA work, uh, what kind of roles or tasks or, uh, you know, um, uh, support uh, do you provide uh, clients? Well, I've always been kind of a... Uh, uh 
Girl Friday in the tech companies I've worked for. I've done, I've got a background in accounting, I've got an HR certification, and I've kind of done everything in between. Generally speaking, when you work for a small startup, you, you have to be pretty flexible. Um, so I've got that kind of skill set, but I think when it comes to working with other uh, aspiring and established nomads that um, it'll be more along the lines of figuring out how do you decide where you want to go, how do you move your, your work into a remote role and take it with you and deal with all the complexities that in, in working abroad entails. I think that's definitely a good shift you've done in your business as well because uh, nowadays there's a lot of people who want to live uh, this uh, location independent lifestyle, but they just don't know how to in terms of uh, uh, the financial side of things, the mental side of things, logistical, and uh, you know, dealing with all these things like we mentioned as well. Uh, so, uh, whether you get asked a lot, obviously, it's the whole area of travel uh, events. So, how have you done it so far in all these multiple countries and continents around the world? Well, I mean, when people ask me how I've done it, it's it's a lot of paperwork and a lot more planning. I can't be as uh, um, uh, impulsive as I might otherwise be with my travel because you have to find out, do a ton of research about what each country's specific rules are, and they're all very different. Um, and we choose to go to countries where there's no quarantine necessary because I don't think that's something I would want to subject my dogs to for a short-term visit. If I was moving somewhere, it would be something I might entertain. But we, we purely travel to places where there is no quarantine in place or the quarantine is not home quarantine policy. Um, the dogs go to the vet a lot to get certified for their health. They have all their shots and everything, so they're not getting treated all the time. Um, and you know, it, it definitely limits where you can stay, how you get to places, and it's different everywhere. In some countries, it's super easy to travel by train and bus, and in other countries, it's really hard to travel by those means, but plane travel is easy. So we just adapt. But moving slowly has really been an easier strategy for the pets. Um, they do better in an apartment or a house, so when we can stay for a while in a place and make a bit of a nest for them, if we have a little yard or we're near a beach, that really works for them. Yeah, slow travel definitely makes sense for your uh, lifestyle now, and especially with the pets. So it would be very hard to fast travel with those pets around, especially with those uh, certification issues. So how do you actually get these certifications and uh, walk us through that process? Uh, you got to uh, do it online or do you have to do it in person sometimes? And uh, what does it require? Uh, how much does it cost? Uh, maybe break it down a little bit for us. Um, as a general policy, uh, to get into any country, you will need a health certificate, which is issued by a licensed veterinarian. Sometimes it's a specifically government licensed veterinarian or it might require you to visit the Food and Drug Agency of your country. Um, and uh, they'll, that will be within a certain time frame, 10 days up to 30 days is typical. Um, and the vet will just look at your animal and make sure that they look healthy and their hearts are strong and they've got no fleas and that everything is going well with them. They'll review your vaccinations and you have to have up-to-date vaccinations, especially rabies, but I mean pretty well everything all the time. And so it probably takes a minimum of a month for me to plan to go somewhere else. And then booking flights, uh, you know, most planes will only take 
up to two or maybe four animals. And we travel in cabin. We're very lucky our dogs are small. They're under 10 pounds each. Otherwise, it would be a whole nother level of complexity for, for them. But uh, they travel at our feet under, under our seats in their little carriers. And so it's getting permission from the airline. It costs a lot of money, <laughs> it does. Uh, not as much as a human being uh, to travel, but it adds a couple hundred dollars on international flights to bring each dog. Um, and the vet visits, of course. Fortunately, most in most of the world, that's a lot more affordable than it has been in Canada. And that's been a, a blessing that I didn't really anticipate. So you've been doing this in multiple countries, multiple continents. What are the rough uh, differences you found uh, country versus country and continent versus continent? Uh, I mean, you've done Central America now, Asia, Europe, uh, and North America, obviously. So what have been the differences? Um, I would say Europe is probably the easiest place to travel with dogs. And a large part of that is the Schengen Agreement and the U UA, you know, UE now. You can travel borderless in most of Europe. You can bring them on trains. You can bring them on buses in some places. They're pretty welcome on uh, at restaurants on the patios. So I found Europe incredibly easy. We didn't have to get new certifications. Once we were there, we could move around pretty freely by most any means, and that was nice. I had a lot of choices in where I went and how I got there, and that's not something I've experienced anywhere else. Um, Thailand and Vietnam were certainly challenging with the with the dogs. It's possible. I actually have been to Thailand twice with my dogs, um, and they're very, uh, they have a big process of getting approval from the government beforehand. You have to send them all your documents, and then they send you a permission letter, and you still have to jump through some hoops. But we did it twice without any problems and that was actually the first place I ever took my dog internationally outside of the US and Canada so it's possible. Um, in those countries one of the added complexities was um, was that the dogs that are there and there's a different attitude towards having pets in, in a lot of countries than I might have certainly who take my dog with me everywhere in the world and I'm happy to pay the extra to make sure that they're comfortable and safe but you know in Thailand there's a lot of street dogs and they're hungry and they're not vaccinated and they can be pretty aggressive and territorial and that was something we weren't prepared for the first time we went there so you have to be vigilant with your pets. So uh, for those people who are thinking of uh, traveling for pets for the first time, I think this is uh, there's usually uh, barriers, obstacles in terms of people traveling. Sometimes it's the kid, kids or kids, and then sometimes it's the, the health issues. Uh, and of course, there's the pet issues too. Some people just leave their pets at a, at a pet sitter or with a friend or family member, um, and uh, some people travel with them. So any tips or advice you give to someone who's thinking of traveling with pets for the first time? Well, in all honesty, if someone says to me, I'm thinking about adopting an animal and I love to travel, what's that like? I would honestly say, you know, if you don't already have a pet, I wouldn't do it. It, it is, it's harder. You'll pay more for flights. It'll limit the airlines you can take. You'll have a harder time getting housing. You'll have to pick different kinds of housing because having a, a barking dog in a hotel room is not ever a welcome thing, uh, pretty well universally. Um, so, you know, if I didn't already have my dogs, and my dogs are seven and six years old, so they preceded this lifestyle change, and, and I'm not going to leave them at home for two years of my life, so of course they came with me. But if you're, if you're deciding to do it on the outset, I would say don't do it. Pick your travel, and then when you're more settled somewhere, you know, adopt animals. But if you've got them, uh, just expect to do a bit more planning, and I think moving slowly is really the answer with, with 
traveling with animals and uh, it can be done. I, I've met all kinds of people that traveled with animals and with bigger animals than mine or more of them. And they've seen, you know, 50, 60 countries. So it is totally doable. Maybe you're going to want to get a car and travel through Central and South America. Maybe that's the easier way and in Europe by train, but there is a way, there's always a way. Well, as well as the way, as the saying goes, and uh, you mentioned that uh, things like uh, uh, caravanning or RVing, I, I know a lot of people do that across the U.S. and Canada with pets, uh, but when it comes to the whole air, airline side of things, of course, it gets more expensive, more complicated. Uh, but that's amazing that you've actually uh, met people who've been to those like 50, 60 countries with pets. So kudos, yeah. kudos. It's definitely possible. Uh, if they can do it, you can do it as well. Uh, so you also travel to quite religious countries, and you're, you're traveling uh, with your wife. Uh, so yeah. how has it been traveling uh, as a lesbian traveler to quite religious countries like Spain, Portugal, uh, Buddhist countries in Southeast Asia, and, uh, you know, Catholic countries like here in Central America? Um, we, we haven't had any issues as far as being a same-sex couple, but we, we definitely take it into consideration in the selection of our countries. You know, um, I would love to travel Africa, but... I don't know that that's in the cards for me. You know, we're not very, we're, we're, I'm 44, my wife is 41. We're not very demonstrative people. We're pretty mature. We don't advertise who we are. We don't look for a queer community when we travel. It's not important to us to be amongst other queer people. But um, if I have to worry that someone's going to be constantly wondering about me or, or and people ask, they do. We, we regularly get asked, are we sisters? Are we, you know? Um, and, and we're not people to hide it either. You know, I won't lie to somebody straight to their face unless I feel that I'm in, in, you know, in uh, fear for myself in some way, but, um, we just don't go places where it's, it's really tricky. And I do know lesbian and gay bloggers and travelers that do, um, it just changes the way you go. And I think if I did really want to see one of those countries that I wouldn't feel comfortable by myself, I might go on a tour and I know people who have and and then you're in a bit more of a comfortable zone but honestly every place we've been has been amazing and and people often attribute attitudes about um, gay gay people and gay travelers to religion and I can tell you having been in places like Portugal and Spain that some of those countries are miles ahead even of Canada in their attitudes the regular people we we were just wowed by Spain particularly, it's just not an issue. It just never comes up. No one ever asks you, no one ever changed our double bed booking to single beds like has happened to us in North America on our honeymoon. You know, it, it's, but honestly, it's, it's just been great. And Merida is a place I came having no ideas of what it would be like. And the openness that we found here is just wonderful. It's wonderful. Great to hear. Great to hear. Uh, have you faced any challenges or difficulties at all? Uh, it's great to hear that's been uh, overall accepting, but any uh, challenges as well? Um, I can't say that we've really faced any challenges specific to being uh, a same-sex couple. I did, you know, as far as religious attitudes go, the only one we've actually encountered was um, in uh, southern Thailand, uh, which is predominantly Muslim. There is a religious decree against having animals under your roof which we had no idea about, but we were regularly getting turned down by people in their taxis and the, you know, we couldn't find accommodation on Colanta at all and had to leave at one point. And, and that was the reason why. And it took somebody sitting down and explaining that to me and my understanding it, but 
it was something I, I never saw in a blog somewhere. I never imagined to even ask that question. You know, so that you're always going to find things that are uh, really specific to a place or people, and, and it's just educational. So are you saying that they don't actually have any pets in that part of Thailand in the southern area? I'm saying that they don't, the, the religious belief is that you don't allow animals under your roof, whether that's in your house or your car, that if you have pets, they stay outside. So the concept oh, okay. of us bringing our animals into a hotel room or putting them inside of a taxi was really anathema to people. And in all honesty, even here in Merida, um, we had a dinner party here last night with a very mixed group of people. And one of our friends who is a local said to me that when I walk my dogs on leash here and I, I get some usually very entertained and um, uh, nice looks, but people will stare because he said, you may as well just be walking a cow on a leash here. It's just not something that, that Mexican people do. <laughs> yeah, that, that's part of the travel to learn all about these different uh, cultural beliefs and religious beliefs and customs locally. And, uh, you know, you're always getting kind of surprised by how different uh, and beautiful the world is. Uh, so curious to know what's on the agenda. What does the future hold? Uh, if you want to pull out your crystal ball, You've done, uh, you know, uh, where are you planning to go? What are you planning to see? Well, we are, when we came to Mexico, we were, um, it felt like a familiar place to land for a couple of months because we'd, we'd been going strong for a year and a half and wanted to slow down a little bit and work on our businesses and uh, just, just be somewhere a little while that felt comfortable. And, and uh, we've been here enough times to feel that way about Mexico, but our plan is to head to Central America and South America. I really would love to see pretty well every country. So it really wows me that you've seen every country in South America and are working your way right now through Central America. I'm very keen and eager to visit Nicaragua, Panama. I mean, it's hard to even name the countries because I really do want to see it all. So that's, that's my next big excitement. Yeah, did it to that, did it to that. Every country in the world, one by one. Yes. The D, uh, you're living that uh, the dream lifestyle, so to speak, uh, where you're working and traveling around the world. A lot of our viewers and listeners haven't actually taken that big first step. They don't actually know what that first step is. And it's not just the Nike do its slogan. Uh, it takes obviously a lot more work than that in terms of planning and preparation and mindset and logistics. Uh, maybe you can offer some tips uh, because you're, you've been doing this uh, in many different continents already. Uh, what tips or advice you would give uh, to our listeners and viewers who want to take that big leap to become a digital nomad? Oh gosh, well, I think uh, the benefits of, of having a, a digital lifestyle are just so enormous that uh, if anyone gives themselves a chance and can find a way to unhook their job from a location, that the rewards will be enormous. And, um, most jobs can do it, and sometimes it means you have to change what you're doing. My wife was a plumber in Canada. I mean, that is not a job that translates to being a digital nomad easily. You know, at one point she did consider uh, making some how-to YouTube videos, especially for women on how to do basic plumbing jobs around the house, but she's actually in the process of becoming a, an ESL teacher online, and that's it's an area of passion and interest that she's never had the opportunity to explore. And if nothing else, when you when you go out there in the world and travel, you know, you can discover a lot of things about yourself that uh, maybe lay dormant in in your normal life when you're 
putting in 60 hours a week at a job and busy, you know, picking kids up from school and doing all the normal routine, just breaking out of that routine can really give you an opportunity to, to know yourself in a different way and discover some things that you might want to explore and have an opportunity to do. So sometimes that can be a new career, it can be new hobbies. Um, and you know, give yourself that opportunity. But I think for most people that they can find a way to take their job away from being in one location. And um, if you really want to do it, there's always obstacles. Everyone has their own. You know, we had a house. We both had great careers. I all my all of my family, all of my wife's families in Victoria. It's hard. I have nieces and nephews. I miss terribly. But um, you know, part of our long-term plan is always to spend a significant amount of time there as well. And I know that having this uh, digital nomad lifestyle will support that as well. I can be in Victoria working. I can be in Mexico working. I can be anywhere working. And that's just so appealing. Yeah, no, it's definitely very appealing. And that's why more and more people are doing it. It's, got, it's becoming more, as we said in the beginning, a little bit more commonplace than it was maybe five years ago, 10 years ago. Every, every year, every week, every day, literally, more and more people are becoming nomadic and location independent. Uh, so, Dee, you've been definitely inspirational in this journey. Uh, how can people connect with you if they want to pick your brain a little bit more in terms of, uh, you know, your travels, in terms of LGBT travel, in terms of uh, travel with pets, or uh, working remotely, and any other topics? How can they connect with you? Well, I'm I'm a really terrible uh, nomad in the sense that I I don't have a blog. I don't I haven't made my I haven't published my website yet. I am working on one. Um, I guess the easiest place to find me is through Facebook, either through my name D Hson or um, I'm out and about VA, and um, and more will be coming soon. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, that's probably the easiest way right now. All right, I'll actually have some of those links below so people can uh, click through and uh, connect with you. I'm sure a lot of people would have these uh, more follow-up questions than we were to cover on the show here today. So, Dee, uh, enjoy uh, Married in Mexico, and I look forward to connecting. It might uh, be in Central America. It might be back in our home area of British Columbia. But I look forward to connecting, as they say, IRL in real life as well. Yes, that would be wonderful. It's been really great chatting with both of you, and uh, I do hope we'll get to uh, meet in person soon. Sounds like a plan. Uh, so thanks again, Dee, and we'll catch up with you soon. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode, live on location here from beautiful San Juan del Sur in Nicaragua. So make sure you connect with Dee. I'll have the links below. Make sure you connect with us at daddyblogger.com. And we'll catch up with you guys in the next episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast. And the podcast, where we teach you how to make a traveling